You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here we are today bringing you a casual conversation on the shows, films, concerts, and music that we see, listen to, and observe throughout our careers. Today's episode will feature spoilers, so please make sure you check out what we are discussing today before listening ahead. You have been warned. Um, Today... We are going to be discussing the new off-Broadway musical Disney's Winnie the Pooh in New York City. So this is a stage adaptation of Disney's Winnie the Pooh. It's playing live um, in New York City right now, so that's what we're discussing. Um, So if you have seen it or are planning to see it... um, uh, Feel free to listen on, but if you were planning on seeing it, see it first. Um, but great. So here we are, Disney's Winnie the Pooh. I'm going to give you all a little bit of a background on what this is. Um, I know a lot of us know what it is, but this specific production. Disney's Winnie the Pooh, the new musical stage adaptation created by Jonathan Rockefeller, whose company, Rockefeller Productions, created the popular family-friendly puppet shows The Very Hungry Caterpillar, the Very Hungry Caterpillar Show, and Paddington Gets in a Jam. Um, Rockefeller used life-size puppets in this staging, and this new musical is produced in association with Disney Theatrical Productions. So, a little bit on this. the new This new stage production features iconic Disney characters, all created by A.A. A. Milne, who was the original writer, I believe 1926, of Winnie the Pooh. And this show also features many of the original songs from the Disney films and shows written by Richard and Robert Sherman, who um, we are familiar with doing our 54 Below concert of the Sherman Brothers reworked music a few years back. Um, They wrote all the music to this, including Winnie the Pooh, The Wonderful Thing About Tiggers, and A Rather (laughs) Blustery Day, among other things. Um, They actually won a Grammy Award um, for Best Album for Children for Winnie the Pooh, which is pretty cool. Uh, this has a, this, this production we saw in New York City has a new orchestral score, uh, and pays homage to some of the great Winnie the Pooh musical history. Uh, and like I said earlier, includes some of that Sherman Brothers music. Uh, the cast of this production we saw in New York City, once again, this was an off-Broadway production at Theater Row on 42nd Street in New York City. Uh, as I said, it produced in associ- in association with Disney Theatricals Productions. The cast included Jake Basil as Pooh. Chris Palmieri as Tigger, Kirstie Moon as Piglet and Rue, Emmanuel Elpenord as Eeyore, Rabbit, and Owl, and Christina Dizon as Kanga and Owl. The creative team includes original music and orchestrations by Nate Edmondson, costume design by Lindsay McWilliams, 
lighting design by Jamie Roderick, and scenic design by David Goldstein, Matthew Herman, and Johnny Figueredo. Lead puppet builders were Matthew Lish and Ben Turasher. Uh, the puppets were all featured in the show were designed and constructed within the walls of Rockefeller Productions by a talented team of artists, designers, pattern makers, builders, welders, and fabricators. Just so you all know a little bit about that. So I first want to start by talking a little bit about the production itself. Okay. This was a one-hour, no-intermission show right in Midtown Manhattan at Theater Row in a small off-Broadway theater. I was really imp- – a couple things off the top of my head. I was really impressed by the process. There was a nice billboard outside. You went inside. The lobby was decorated and designed about like the 100-acre wood, gift shop, photo opportunity area, kids, families, a really joyous Disney moment, which you see in the lobbies of the Disney on Broadway shows for mm-hmm. sure. But it was really cool to see it in an intimate space like this, in a smaller venue I was really, really nice to see, you know, we went with our nieces and nephews, so we had some guests with us, and it was really wonderful to see it through their eyes, I thought. They were so joyously watching. It was so smart to do with puppets. I thought the colors and the music were just really enchanting and, and wonderful. There was a few special effects throughout, lighting and 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 sound effects and things, and, and I just thought it was all really, really smart. There was smart theater telling here. There was puppetry that was just mind-blowing, the way they were doing some of it. I love how this original story kind of hinted at some of the original Winnie the Pooh stories, but also kind of made it their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they had – and there was also Christopher Robin, I should mention, too. There was a boy who played Christopher Robin. He's not on my cast list here. He was not a puppeteer, but there was a boy who played Christopher Robin live in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was very cool to see the seasons change. They kind of took you through all four seasons. It was just a really nice journey for children. I was really impressed with the actors and the puppeteers. And overall, I thought it was really nice for, like, this dead of winter New York. It was actually kind of smart to bring it to New York now when, like, it was clearly something that was for, like, New York families. And maybe it wasn't geared towards tourists. Maybe it was geared towards, like, local New Yorkers. And I want to talk about that a little bit later when we talk about this type of of theater telling. But – Overall, it was not a mega, mega show that Disney is used to producing. It was at a smaller venue. I really enjoyed it. And like I said, bringing the kids that we had with us, our nieces and nephews, and having them see it, it was really enjoyable. So those are just my overall thoughts. How did you feel about the production as a whole? I feel that I think it did what it was supposed to do. I think that... You know, as you know, the Winnie the Pooh story, it's very, it was told in its traditional way. You know, you start the story with Christopher Robin and he's running through the Hundred Acre Wood and then he leaves. And you spend most of the time looking, Winnie the Pooh spends most of the time looking for Christopher Robin. So what I what I liked was it took you on that journey and they took that theatrical moment of being able to tell a story and speeding through things on the stage. It translated well. Um, I thought that I, I thought that there was interesting parts on calling this a musical when the musical probably was kind of light. Mm. The, that whole element was kind of light throughout the show. It wasn't that full musical that I was kind of expecting. I thought this was more of like a play with music mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the puppets. I think more of what people are probably going to see with this is for the puppet, the puppetry and right. all of that that was happening on the stage. I thought it was really uh, it was cute. You know, I thought yeah. I definitely think there's things I would 
maybe add or change throughout the show. And But overall, I think what this does for family theater is something new. And I think, you know, maybe we're going to see this more. Yeah, I think what's interesting is, I agree with you, it was like a play with music. It was underscored throughout. So the um, the composers, um, the original music and orchestration by Nate Edmondson was actually beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was really touching, but it was always playing throughout the whole 60-minute piece. And that worked. And then lightly, they would kind of sing a little. It wasn't like a song, a scene, a song, a scene. So it wasn't set up like a book musical. Right. It was set up where like they would sing a little of the famous songs everyone knows, and then we'd go back to the underscored music. I would like to see maybe a little more singing, maybe a little more dancing, maybe some it's hard to do with puppets, I understand that. Maybe more of a musical. But I think this like play with music kind of works in a way because that's how you would read through the story or watch the movies or like listen to the books. It was about the journey of the story and the music kind of flowed like that. So it worked for this. And was the music, was it piped in? I believe it was not a live orchestra. I believe it may have been recorded for this and then it was uh, played. I believe it was all um, pre-recorded. Pre-recorded. Yeah. Yeah, Because you like a, a moment that could have been really cool with this show was introducing the people that, normally sing throughout Winnie the Pooh. So like you, if you're singing the hundred acre wood, you know, deep in the hundred acre wood, right. having the people that are doing the puppetry stuff come out and sing first. Yeah. yeah there could have been some more moments of singing and music. Cause it was just like lightly scattered throughout instead of like highlighting the song mm-hmm. and then the song, you know? So that was one thing, but then I was like, Oh, maybe that's just piped. Mm-hmm. You know, even that was probably re- pre-recorded. Yeah. So only some of it was sung through. And obviously the traditional songs like The Wonderful Things About Tigger and Winnie the Pooh, um, those things were all part of this and that's what they did sing. But even those felt a little abbreviated to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there was moments I think with the audience like, oh, I think we clap here. Yes, we clap here. Okay, yeah. we're clapping, you know, things like <laughs> that because it was it was – it was not like a hard end to a song, but I, I I will say puppeteering is an art form that has been around a very long time. Yeah, we sometimes see it, we don't always see it, and it's really impressive to see puppeteers working like that. They have to move their mouth and sing, and move the puppet's mouth, and the actions, and all the little actions, and moving them gracefully, and not looking like it's clunky. And they're full body. They're not just hand puppets. They're full body puppets that they're moving with their body. They're moving their body. Puppets that stood out to me were um, the owl was really impressive. It was was beautiful to see them the owl fly like that. it was really hard for her to do Piglet, who's so small, and to I have know. to fly that little <laughs> thing all over the place. And, and like I said, there was just the special effects, the magic. I think all Disney always gets its magic, right? And their moments. And and I think that their magical moments of these children in awe and these families gathered together in this. And it, it totally worked in an intimate space. The yeah. stage was small. It was lovely. It actually would have probably worked even better in an immersive theater, like in the round, where like we were all around the 100 Acre Wood and right. the puppets could walk all through the audience and stuff. That would have been probably cool. Um but it was special. It was very special. I'm, gl- I'm really glad that New York is doing something like this. Yeah. You know? I also thought what was really cool and what's really always observed well or thought out is everyone is kind of immersed into the show. So any puppet puppetry person, puppeteer, was part of the – it was part of the breathing set. So we talk about this a lot on our podcast about like 
how are transitions working, Mm -hmm. how are the people that are helping with the transitions Mm -hmm. working. And as we're changing through seasons, you're watching these puppeteers, they're also laying the snow or the flowers are blooming. And every little part of it, it's like you didn't think, oh, that's a person that just did that or that's a tech person or a a stage crew hand that's helping with this. We're we're seeing and it's like, okay – they're helping. It's breathing. It's moving. Mm. And the uh, uh, it's the magic, really, for children, I think, mm-hmm. in the theater as well, because they're not saying, oh, that's, you know, look at what she she just laid the snow on the ground. No, you really felt as the snow is falling, the blankets are laying. Yeah. And it's a distraction to see, oh, wow, it's snowing now. Or the leaves are blowing. Mm. At one point, you know, this is a spoiler, but <laughs> Winnie the Pooh's in the tree, and I don't even realize when he got there. Yeah, I didn't see it either because we were all <laughs> looking at something else. Yeah, they really did a nice job with so the distraction. A, like yeah, that. I think that's great. And, you know, a simple thing where Tigger and Piglet were probably walking from off stage, you're going that way, and Pooh's legs are coming yeah. out. Mm-hmm. That's we didn't see it happen, which right. was great. Because right. then I'm like, oh, wait. I, right. I, the whole time for me, I was like, when is Pooh going to end up in this tree? Because we know that he He's ends up in the tree. He's always in the tree, right, right. So He always needs help to get out. That's the magic that I really respected throughout and, this And piece. with the book writing, you know, the one-liners are wonderful. I think that each character I – mean, and, and there's a lot of studies that have been on what parts of Christopher Robin's uh, – heart, soul, mind are represented in these characters. There's anxiety, there's sadness, there's happiness, there's fright, there's different, there's energy, there's different excitement levels. So the one-liners from Eeyore, the one-liners from Rabbit, the one, they're, they're all like so, and then like who has these like amazing one-liners, like the tearjerker moment and he's like, I hope that whenever, you know, I, I'm, um, we, we, if I go away or something that I'm always live here and I will yeah. always live here in your heart or something like really emotional at times. I was like, Oh, this is so cute. and really <laughs> special. Um, but yeah, I think that they get that Winnie the Pooh always was about the heart for me, the soul mm-hmm. and the heart. And I think that was really, really impressive with this, but I want to take, a, I want to zoom out now. Yeah. I want, I, I mean, it was really nice to see this. Uh, and I want to step out into, we see a lot of theater and when we see, you know, and, Let's not forget things like Theater Works. That's a big company that produces big um, children's book live stage shows. There's a lot of um, children's book to stage tours that go to schools. We know children's theater is prevalent and and very respected and and is working. Mm-hmm. It goes to schools. It goes to arenas. There's tours. There's all different ways to tell children's stories, right? Yeah. So we know that's already happening. When you see Disney pushing their mega hit shows in broad on Broadway, and there are these big, splashy spectacle shows that work most of the time, and they sell tickets in big, big houses. We know that works. When I read this last year that Disney was going to be producing or co-producing, however you want to call it, a big um, – a musical version of this and they were going to put it off Broadway and they were going to put it in a small theater. I thought, okay, cool. Like good for you, Disney for maybe, I wonder if that was partially the pandemic. Maybe this was planned before the pandemic, but I want to talk a little bit about like, is this working for Disney? Does Disney need to do more of this with some of their stories? Cause let me tell you something. I don't know personally if Winnie the Pooh would work in a 1200 seat theater with a huge stage and a big live orchestra I I feel like it's not it's a subtle light story and so to tell maybe they really wanted to tell this and it wasn't going to work so how many other stories does Disney have that would maybe work in another setting like this you know we had seen we've this was 
And this was a limited run. It's actually playing till next week at the end of January. So if you want to go see it, you have like one more week to go see it. I believe it's going to Chicago next. So if you're listening to this in Chicago, you can go check it out there. Um, but my question to you is, do we think that this is the future of other ways Disney tells stories? We always know Disney's going to tell the big mega shows, but could they be doing more off-Broadway things? Why or why not? Hmm. I think this is not just a Disney question. I think this is a question as a whole, especially when we're talking about children's theater. So does children's theater really be belong on the big stage and does it translate well? Well, one, I think this is the perfect level for introductory theater for children. Mm-hmm. I think there were kids there yesterday. There were toddlers there yesterday, which was what I thought was great. And it's that perfect level of before bringing them to the big stage, this is a time for them to learn theater etiquette, how to sit there. It's okay if they make noise for now, but it's also a time for a parent to be like, okay, this is how you sit down. This is how you watch. This is, and it's in the perfect size theater because there's not really a bad seat in the house. And I think the Disney story is perfect because they already know Winnie the Pooh. So now they're just seeing Winnie the Pooh on the stage. You know, we had a three-year-old with us yesterday. So I wasn't in the theater at three years old. I, I didn't have my first theater experience till I was like six or seven. So to bring someone, to bring my niece to the theater and let her enjoy it. And she sat through it for 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. No intermission. It's not a hassle for the parents. And it worked. I actually think like... So we have like their theme park entertainment, which is like completely different because that you can do whatever you want in the theater. It's, a, it's an amusement park. And then like this is the next step up. Mm-hmm. And the production value is, I think, better than the theme park production uh-huh. value. And I do think we should see more of this off-Broadway. Yeah. I do think it does work in this sense. Not everything, but – or. Or what is the step that works for off-Broadway, and then what is the next step that works for them on Broadway? You know? Sure. I, 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 I'm just looking at this like, is this easier to do in a pandemic or post-pandemic world? Is this easier to tell children's stories? Because don't forget, Disney, and not just Disney, but I know Disney is a mega producer of Broadway children's theater. There are other producers of children's theater. And like I said, when I read earlier that this puppeteer has done, like, you know, the uh, the Caterpillar, Paddington, things like that. They're do, being done. But yeah, this but was pretty commercial of a sit-down midtown Manhattan. You go, you're seeing a show still in the Broadway area. It's right on 42nd Street. This could be, let's start utilizing some of those smaller houses in Manhattan, even lower Manhattan, and let's get children into theaters like this first. Because maybe two and a half hours at Aladdin or Lion King is a lot for a three-year-old. And that's why a lot of people wait till they're six or seven or eight. Yeah, but what a great, a like lot. you said, introductory way to bring kids mm-hmm. to live theater. Live theater has been around a long time. And as children get older, they should be experiencing things live like this. And it's a there's a magic to it. And for theater creators, I don't think we need to be afraid of the off-Broadway space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think everyone thinks it's Broadway or nothing. But no, off-Broadway is a space to be used. A lot of times off-Broadway sometimes is more adult things they're or dark or sinister or plays. And this is like really light. And and so it's it was nice to see off-Broadway doing something really family-friendly, really engaging with the audience. And like you said, I think it's a great 
great step for children to be introduced to theater. I really mm-hmm. do. I think they, we, we don't, you know, on the car right down, I talk to the nieces and everybody, what is our theater etiquette? We applaud at the appropriate points. We don't kick the seat in front of us. We don't stand up. We don't go to the bathroom right away when we, you know, we, we try to wait, you know, mm-hmm. these things. And I think that was really, really great. Uh, so I, I could see Disney or someone like Disney continuing things like this. It must have been successful. It was sold out when we were there. And this is the last week of the run. And I think this would be a really nice future of telling stories like this in a smaller scale. Because what I was going to say earlier is, I don't know, Disney covers everything now. Disney has superheroes, mega shows, serious movies, children's. There's like just a wide range with Disney now that like Disney can start expanding that wide range in their live entertainment. I know there's Disney on Ice. I know there's Disney Amusement Parks. And I know there's Disney on Broadway and the Broadway tours. And that's like great. And they're always going to do these big shows because why not? That They do that so well. But bring some of these small – I'm sure there are other smaller stories that could be told like this with or without puppets in a small space where we could really tell stories on stage that don't have to be in mega, mega large spaces. Right, know? of course. And what, they, what they're doing with a show like Winnie the Pooh is they're – bringing in elements to help a kid not get distracted as well. So like I said earlier, the snow, the leaves, the seasons changing and the puppets, it keeps one's interest going. It definitely does, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's having it at the perfect length because 60 minutes is a long time, even for a kid to sit for a long time before mm-hmm. they they want to do something else. Our intention spans are not quite there yet. Uh, uh. <laughs> so, I, I do think it worked, you know, and what I really enjoyed was after I hear one of my nephews say to me, he's like, oh, and he's already thinking about these things, but he's also a theater kid and a sciencey kid and his father loves all the automatronics of this. But he immediately goes to me, you want to know what I would have done differently? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, really? Here we go. You want to be a guest on the podcast? No. <laughs> he's like, I would have had Pooh come out of the top of the tree. <laughs> like he fell in. And I'm like, oh, how funny. He's yeah. like, like Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. It's great to see the imaginations ex- explore. Like they're wide-eyed mm-hmm. of just watching the magic. And there is magic. And I will tell you something. I was watching. I know sometimes you see puppet shows and you don't know if the person doing the puppet is doing the voice or not. But when I saw the microphones and then I saw them speaking and singing i was like wow they really have such a skill and talent this is their career a lot of these people who do this the puppeteering the voice the singing getting that voice these are very specific voices very specific and and it was very well done i I, you would have sworn these were the people doing it all these and they were really working the stage i think we immediately when we are introduced to Pooh, i was like it sounds just like him. I want to look up and see, is he doing a voice for Pooh at all? Because yeah. it was so, it was so great. And they're, especially the ones that are double casting some of these puppets, you know, the girl who was playing Piglet and also as Rue and moving Owl. And yeah. there's like, because Owls move by multiple people yeah. and Eeyore. And I thought Eeyore was also done really well. Yeah, yeah. It was smart. And then that same actor did Owl and Rabbit. And Rabbit yes. was really, really tall. Really, yes. it was a big puppet to operate, I thought. That, one was, a little, that was a little interesting because I thought the sizing might have been a little off. It was huge. <laughs> I was like, it was almost the size of the actor. I was like, yeah. wow, maybe Rabbit is taller than the rest of them. I don't really remember from the sizing but every little detail like the garden being stomped on and the flowers coming up and this did you see the sticks floating down the river at one point it was really really smart it was like really really smart and it wasn't 
projections, projections. It's like let's use real material things and tell these stories. The flying wind in the in the audience, the the letter that flew over us, and things like that. I will say this, and you know, this is now the second off Broadway show I've gone to that there has been no program provided. <laughs> and I'm just going to say this: um, I understand that. That is a budgetary thing. Yes. I understand that half the programs wind up on the floor sometimes. Uh, and, and I understand having an option where we'll scan this QR code and you can look it up online. And, say, and I get that. Actually, one of the shows we went to recently, they're like, we don't have any more paper programs, but um, you can scan the code. And I was like, oh, great. At least I can go on my phone and look at some of these things. For this, there was – I didn't see any of that. And and please forgive me if I just didn't see it, but there was no – if you're if you don't want to hand a program to everyone, why don't you just have a little table with them sitting there and someone can grab one? Because here I am supporting this wonderful show and I'm sitting here and I will be honest, I had to really dig to find the names of these people. Yeah. I, it wasn't really advertised. I feel really bad for this whole creative team and cast in a way because they're so talented doing this amazing thing multiple times a week and telling this beautiful story. And I couldn't find their names anywhere. I had to Google and search and search and it's like, it should be, I, I personally, and I'm a little old school like this, I personally think the people that you have put every ounce of their creative juices into this show, on stage and off, mm-hmm. should be presented to you when you arrive. Just like the second a movie is over, all the people's names show up. I don't have to leave a movie and then go home and wonder who did that movie. They're, all their names are in the credits. We don't get rolling credits in the show. And I, I'm, I was a little disappointed that I keep seeing, and I'm talking about Off-Broadway because I feel like Broadway is still doing the playbills, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know why Off-Broadway is really removing these playbills or show bills or programs because that's important information. I want to know who these people are. And so I'm glad I got their names here on the podcast that I was able to dig a little and find a lot of these creatives because right. it's really, really impressive stuff to be doing in a really sad pandemic world that we're in to tell this beautiful story with these puppets. So I don't know if you had any opinion on programs versus no programs, but I was a little disappointed well, it, that there were no programs provided it, in this show. It makes sense. P- people should deserve the credit where the credits do. It's like if you went to a movie and they didn't have credits at the end. Right. And it just ended and no one was you know, talked about for their work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it's important work. It's it's hard work. These people have training and skills that they're putting on stage that is beautiful and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And 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 I just think that deserves a little more credit um, than just no program and like maybe I'll go find their names online. And so, yeah. but it's interesting. It's in, I, I just noticed that being the second off-Broadway show that I've seen recently that has had this no programs or, oh, we have some or um, we ran out or there might be some in the lobby. I, I've no, never I seen th- that. I don't think they had one because I, I didn't see it. But one thing I just thought about like while we're sitting here um, – one thing that you you had mentioned was does this theater work? And one thing I thought it was like, oh, okay, yes, I think this theater does really – this kind of theater does really work. And I think what Disney did was really smart. They're touring this now after because uh-huh. you said it's going to Chicago. But I think the marketing for this was done really well. And I also think the length that it sat in New York for was really well. And – we we talk about this a, a bunch of times on like how long does a show need to be on the stage mm. for and before like something else is given the opportunity and i think what disney did was really smart here because they didn't go to broadway it's not trying to have that broadway sit down for 10 years it was like it's in and out for i don't know how many months i think this started in october october so from october to the end of january perfect holiday season in new right, york right 
perfect length of time for people to decide whether they wanted to see this or not in a nice size theater. And look, now it's going to go move to Chicago right. and then maybe it will move to California and then right. maybe it will move to Florida and maybe, and like other people will now have the opportunity to see yeah. it. Yeah. It's a great model. And also like they could film this. Yeah. It could easily be filmed and then it could easily be put on streaming. And I think that's something that we really should start seeing more of is like the translation of theater being recorded and putting it on streaming services. Cause I'll say it over and over and over again. Not everyone has the chance to go to the yeah, theater. Yeah. And I think they should have the chance. Especially it's the way they're telling a story like this with puppets and, and some beautiful colors and things for kids to see live things like this. And let this live on true. because I, it's like, it's like listening to music. Eventually, at some point, you want to go see it live. Right, right. So right. the same way, if you had your three-year-old here watching it on the television, and then after, you're finally like, okay, maybe it's time to take my three-year-old to the stage. And it's something that they now know, and they're seeing it live. Mm. It might be a better experience mm, for them. Mm. And that's yeah. just my opinion. No, I like. I think that's really smart. And let's maybe hope that we see more of this in the future. You know, so. Oh, there's our chime. Time to wrap it up. Okay, one minute wrap up. Wonderful story. Wonderful adaptation of this. Beautiful, fun, silly, light, great for kids. You have a week left to see it. It plays till end of January in New York City. Mm -hmm. And and joyous. And I hope this is the future of some of the ways we tell children's theater stories. It doesn't have to be all, but I hope we see more of this because this was really smart. Yeah, we don't need to see puppets in every show. (laughs) No, but we also don't need to see some of the stories told in mega, mega houses And we don't, right. And they can sometimes be told in a small Right, it was a lot of fun. I also agree. I think my one-minute roundup here was this was a really fun experience to do um, as uncles to two nieces and two nephews, bringing them to the city having a fun day out with them, going to sit in the stage, hearing what they thought about the, th- the show after. And I think the show was perfect because it made them think and have fun and talk to us about it. And it was something that they knew. So I think A plus on all of those yeah. events. I hope they'll talk about this for the rest of their lives <laughs> with us. Because we, this is something that we like to do with our yeah, nieces with our and nephews. with our Christmas gift to them every so, year. We like to take them to experiences. I think that's important. Right. You know, so, and they still talk about some of them. They so. do. They do. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. Thank you all for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Music. Leave us a review if you love what you heard today. We also want you to join our conversation and engage with us. Head over to our Instagram at Half Hour Podcast and comment on the latest post about this podcast episode. We'd love to hear from you. So, like, comment, subscribe, all those things. We'll have more podcasts coming up as more live theaters returning, more music is being released, all those good things. So, thank you all for listening until next time signing off for now i'm richie and i'm jeff saying ta-ta hey it's leslie udom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.